This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It's Friday, or when? Hello. When? When? It's our Friday. You're, yeah. You have to slave over a hot stove for a couple more days. Yeah. Uh, it is Wednesday, June 1st. It's June. Who knew? 2022. Already it is June. My friends, we're halfway through the year. Have you had the year you wanted to have? We should talk about that at some point, too. We're halfway through the year. Uh, don't forget, we'll be off Thursday and Friday, back and better than ever next Monday. Going up to the Tetons and Jellystone National Park. Jellystone, then. Are you excited for this trip? Yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm actually really excited. We got aft on a Jeep story that we'll tell you about. Damn dealerships. Dealership warranties, man, I'm telling you. Or lack thereof. Uh, we have to get into Carolina Reaper Peppers later in the show. Why? Just saying that is like, why? why would you eat one of those? What? One of those? Didn't you say it's like three of yeah, them or something? Yeah, three of them. Uh, we'll talk about that. We got to talk about the metaverse, running versus walking, Pac-12. We'll tell you about bad service yesterday that we it's got. Garbage, dude. From the Jeep dealer. But it worked out. It all worked out. It all worked out fine. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I talked to the FedEx lady yesterday about my what runover did package. What they say? We'll talk about all that as well. All right. Um, but, of course, you're only here for one reason, and that's because there was a late-night Woj bomb. Yeah. We need a sound drop for, like, Woj bombs. Um, last night, deep into the evening hours, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, Woj bombed out that Quinn Snyder um, his status is still up in the air and that Quinn has not um, agreed to a long-term agreement to be a contract extension, the head coach of the Utah Jazz. Now, we've been reporting on this back to the trade deadline, and I want to give you the latest information that we are hearing on Quinn Snyder because this really is not anything new. If we're being totally honest about this situation, what Adrian Wojnarowski reported, we've been talking about this back to the trade deadline. The latest is that Quinn Snyder and the Jazz have been talking, and this has been going on for over a month now since the season ended, but Quinn has been hesitant to sign a contract extension. Quinn Snyder, as we told you, is under contract to the Utah Jazz for this coming season. He is their head coach as of now. The issue becomes the long term with Quinn Snyder. The Utah Jazz, I am told, have offered Quinn a five-year contract extension, he turned that down. They then turned around and offered him a three-year extension, which he has not signed. He has not signed um, a contract extension offered by the Utah Jazz. Quinn's frustration has been that he has no say or control over his roster and that he goes back to the Dennis Lindsay relationship that he had with Dennis when Dennis was essentially the basketball czar for the Utah Jazz, where Dennis would make deals that Quinn did not agree to, did not like, and did not feel like fit his coaching philosophy, which in turn has ended up having guys like Rudy Gobert under long-term contracts. And those are odd fits for Quinn's coaching style. Quinn wants more say over the roster. The Jazz are a little hesitant to run things by Quinn as a yes or no 
before making a deal. You have Justin Zanuck and now Danny Ainge sitting atop the totem pole here, just beneath Ryan Smith. How many cooks do you want in the stew, right? Yeah. So the Jazz have been hesitant to hand Quinn Snyder player personnel control, which they are not going to do. That is a deal breaker for the Utah Jazz. So they're working to try and find a compromise that works for Quinn Snyder, but also works for Ryan Smith and Danny Ainge. They have yet to do that. That is why Quinn Snyder has not signed a contract extension. There is a lot of belief that on top of the Dennis Lindsay situation with, with Quinn and Dennis, you have this trade deadline situation. And I will harken back to what we talked about in late April. Quinn's frustration with the trade deadline, particularly with the Joe Ingles situation and the lack of return to Quinn and the lack of quality upgrades at the trade deadline really bothered Quinn Snyder. It frustrated him because he felt like he had a core group of guys that if they had gotten some additional help, not named Nikhil Alexander-Walker, that this team could have competed at least to win a series. That did not happen. And as we know now, they got their doors blown off by the Dallas Mavericks. So essentially to kind of surmise and sum up this situation, Quinn Snyder's situation is unchanged with the Jazz. He has one year left on his contract. They've offered him as much as five. Currently, they have offered him three, and he has not signed those extensions. And there is a belief in the organization that they will get something done, but there is a belief around the NBA. Do do not make any mistake about it. There is a belief around the NBA that Quinn Snyder is going to step away from the Utah Jazz, and he will take a year off. We reported that on April 28th, and that is unchanged. NBA sources that we spoke to this morning told us that there is a significant belief that Quinn Snyder will not be the head coach of the Utah Jazz this coming season by his own doing. And I, Jake, frankly, I would not be surprised if that was the case. Yeah, and I think if you're the Jazz, you have to find an answer to this, you know, relatively quickly. I mean, this is not an issue that can be, you know, allowed to persist through the summer. I, I mean, for a number of reasons, you're you're in a time where there's a lot of change coming to the organization. And, and, and again, it's not, it's not a thing where you have to be cold blooded with, with Quinn or you got to be mean about it. But I think the reality of the situation is you just, the reality of the situation doesn't allow you to have a ton of time to figure out if Quinn Snyder is going to, you know, usher this team into the future on the floor. I mean, you, you just have to figure that out. Now, a lot of people are going to tell you, well, he just had hip surgery. He's recovering from that. I don't buy that. I think that's a, 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 a an excuse. I think that, you know, basketball guys, while they're just sitting around recovering or maybe he's walking or whatever he's doing, you can't tell me this isn't all he's thinking about. You know, this, to me, thinking about your future as a coach when you're an NBA head coach um, is basically all you, you, you would think about this time of year. So if I'm Quinn Snyder, I need to make that decision and I need to make it relatively quickly. And, and if you're the Utah Jazz, the problem is, is with Quinn having one year, you know, he's got one year left on his current deal and this extension sitting here. If he just wants to play out the string on that current deal, that puts you in kind of a precarious situation because now you've got a coach that doesn't want to be here in the long term, but you're also going to remake the roster this summer. So it's just going to come down to, A, does Quinn want to be here or not? That's number one. Once that's decided, then the Jazz have to decide how they want to handle it. Do they want to... Do they want to buy Quinn out of his last year on the deal? Do they want to let him coach the last year of the deal? 
What do they want to do? And I think then you're going to see once those decisions are made and once that conversation is had, which again needs to happen pretty quickly here, once that's done, then you can start building a roster and have that roster catered to whoever your head coach is going to be. And that's that's why this Quinn Snyder stuff is so important. But again, you know, it needs to be said that just because, you know, Woj put this out, doesn't mean that there was some huge update on the story. This has been an ongoing thing. Again, as he just said, we've been reporting this since the 28th of April. Um, and and it just it, it, it continues to go on. But it needs to come to resolution, you know, I would probably say in the next two weeks maybe at the, at, at the latest because you've got a lot coming. You know, you've got the NBA Finals start tomorrow. That means they're probably going to be done in, what, a week and a half? maybe depending on how the series yeah I, I mean you'd love to have this done by the time the finals are over yeah um i think you certainly need to have this done by the time um the nba draft and nba free agency get here i mean i, I would be surprised if we came back to the show on monday and there was no update on this um because i i think it is i think it is that significant i think you're in a situation here where when you look at quinn snyder and you look at the head the the impact that the head coach has um, on the Jazz, I mean, I, I think that you have to find a way uh, to get this done with Quinn. And again, I just want to reiterate what Jake said here. Nothing has really changed. Conversations have been ongoing. But when you start talking about, you know, what Quinn Snyder is asking for, he wants input on the players that he is going to coach. Yeah. And I have no problem giving him that. I think when you look at Quinn Snyder, the current roster does not play to his strengths or stylistically work for him. And if I'm Quinn Snyder, I need change on this roster and I need it now because I think Quinn realizes that he is in an age where seasons are not endless. There won't be another chance and another chance to compete for championships. As a head coach in this league, it is very difficult to build, coach, and execute a championship-caliber basketball club. Yeah. And he knows with the Jazz that if there are changes to this roster, he may well be able to do that as long as the players that they bring in fit with his style, which is run and gun, shoot a lot of threes, and play defense. And that's not been happening over the last two years. And since they came out of that Denver series in the bubble, they've not been the same team. Yeah, They have not been able to compete at the highest levels of this league. And we've seen it the last two years in particular, we've seen that they simply are not athletic or talented enough to compete for a championship. And if I'm Quinn Snyder, that's got to change. And it's got to change right now this offseason. So what do we continue to hear about this club? Players want change. The coach wants change. Yeah. The question is, does the owner have the balls to make change? Well, and I think he does. I, I think the, the the tough part, I think, for Ryan Smith, and, and we've had this conversation too, like I, I think the really tough part for Ryan Smith is that he is not a basketball guy. Like, remember Ryan Smith's story. Utah Jazz fan, grew up in Utah, tech billionaire. Like, he knows how to build a business and make a ton of money doing it. He right. knows how to right. do that. But I think that... You know, the other side of this conversation, if you're Ryan Smith, is, hey, you know, I, do I know how to handle these situations correctly? And I think that's why Danny Ainge is here. Honestly, that's why I think he brought Danny Ainge in, because they are good friends. And Danny Ainge does have a lot of experience, not just making the phone call to execute a trade or, or, or just those simple basketball ops type, you know, behaviors, but more, hey, what does experience say? How, how do we handle 
how how do we how do we move through this time? So like, how do we handle the Quinn situation, and how does that situation impact the draft or 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 lack thereof right now? Frankly, for the Utah Jazz, like, how do these things all play together? But I think the thing that I will go back to is that sources have told me repeatedly for months since the trade deadline that there is frustration on Quinn Snyder's side about the build of this roster, that there is significant belief that he will not coach this same roster next season. He will not. That is not what he wants to do. He will. He would rather sit out the duration of his contract and then move on to another opportunity. He will not be coaching the Lakers. We know they hired Darvin Ham. Yeah. I think if all things being equal, and this is something you should pay attention to, if Quinn Snyder does not coach the Utah Jazz this year, is this Greg Popovich's last year in San Antonio? Because I think if all things were equal and Quinn had his way, he would be the head coach of the Utah Jazz for the rest of his career. I truly believe that. I've heard that repeatedly, that Quinn has no desire necessarily to leave the Utah Jazz. What Quinn wants is the ability to coach a roster that fits his style. And if that's not going to happen in Utah, he will move on. Yeah, He would have no problem moving on. But I think if Quinn does not come back to coach the Jazz, keep an eye on what's going on in San Antonio. Because I do think that the Spurs would move Greg Popovich to the front office, and I think Greg would willingly do it, move to a front office role, and slide Quinn Snyder in as the head coach of the, U of the uh, San Antonio Spurs. I think that would absolutely happen. But I, again, want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Quinn Snyder has expressed the desire to be the head coach of the Utah Jazz with the right players. And again, I know that we talk about this, it seems like, on a daily basis. I'm telling you the guy that's the tipping point is Rudy Gobert because I, I cannot say it enough. We've said it the, from the day he signed that contract. Rudy Gobert is not a championship caliber player, and it's by no fault of his own. He is a seven-footer that is offensively limited, and it has a little athletic ability outside of the paint. That makes him an odd fit in today's NBA. And here, there are fits for him. There are teams that value Rudy Gobert. But if you are the Utah Jazz, he is the beginning and the end of your success this past season and this coming season. Yeah. If you trade him, your success begins. If you do not trade him, your success is on hold. I truly believe that. People I've talked to around the NBA have told me that, and I will reiterate again that the Utah Jazz have told Donovan Mitchell they are going to build around him. Quinn Snyder's on board with that. The Utah Jazz have been told and have had blunt, blatant, honest conversations with Rudy Gobert about where they see him and how they view him. Yeah. And Rudy Gobert has told them, if there is a deal to be made and I can be moved on, Feel free to make that deal. I do not want to. Rudy has straight up told Ryan Smith and Danny Ainge, I am not looking for a, a, an out. I am not trying to leave Utah. But if that deal exists, I am I am on board with, with moving to another club. Yeah. I am telling you now, their priority is to trade Rudy Gobert's contract. Their priority is to build around Donovan Mitchell. And I firmly believe from what I've been told just repeatedly over the, the, the last weeks and months, the Utah Jazz want Quinn Snyder to be their head coach moving forward. They they offered him a five-year deal yeah. that he did not sign. He currently has a three-year contract extension sitting on the table that he has not signed because he wants language put into those deals that gives him some leverage over the roster 
And Ryan Smith and Danny Ainge have been hesitant to do that. Yeah, and 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 I, look, I get it. I I get it. Like I I understand that Danny and Ryan want ultimate control. I understand that. But again, this and this is kind of what I was getting. See, to. See, I'd like, be careful with that though. Not ultimate control. Well, final and, say. Then I mean, you're 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 it, what they don't want, in my opinion. I'm not saying yeah. you're wrong, but what they don't want is to say, okay, well, we want this particular player. What they don't want to have happen is we're going to make a trade for this particular player and Quinn Snyder be off the reservation on it and say, well, I'm not going to coach that guy. Well, and but this is the thing. And, and so this is what I mean, like with with Ryan Smith. This is this is kind of my point. This is Ryan Smith's first foyer into these type of situations where you have a head coach who is relatively unhappy with the current roster and has some expectations about what he's going to need if he's going to stay. And that's why I say finding that balance, you know, you they're they're you're not the Utah Jazz are not in a position to say to Quinn Snyder, "Okay, we're going to go and build this this roster for you and it's going to be you know, maybe not 100% what you want it to be, but like 95%. They're not in that position right now. They're in the position of, hey, right now we have to just change this roster to allow us to get in a position to to bolster the roster. That's the position they're in. And so that's why I say, like, when we're talking about retaining Quinn Snyder long-term, what does that conversation look like? Because I'm here to tell you what that looks like is selling Quinn Snyder on the idea that this is going to be a pain train of a next season, and then that following season is when you're going to start winning again. That's what I think is – that's what I think Quinn doesn't isn't really interested in. And that's why I personally, in my opinion, believe that that's why he has willingness to sit out the, the last year of his deal because he doesn't want to be part of that process. But I also think that this brings in that conversation about – all-stars and the all-star game being here on by the way my birthday yeah february 19th yeah yeah the nba all-star game is february 19th 2023 the nba trade deadline i believe is march 25th 2023 and there is some belief and i'm told by jazz sources it's not true that the jazz that the jazz will not make roster moves because they believe donovan and rudy will be all-stars again I just don't buy. I that, don't buy that dude. at all. And we have. I have asked. I have made requests to talk to Ryan Smith. They have. They have gone unanswered. The Jazz have not declined them. They have gone unanswered. Um, but one of the questions that we have not heard answered, and unfortunately, Ryan was on a podcast last week, and it was not asked or answered. I don't believe that it is true that they are saying that they're they're not going to trade Rudy or make significant changes because they need two All Stars. Yeah. What I'm telling you is, is that if that philosophy is at all realistic, I think it's a huge mistake. And I bring up those two dates because the NBA All-Star game is February 19th. The trade deadline's March 25th. I can see a scenario where they make a significant deal at the deadline after the All-Star game. It's plausible. I think Ryan Smith would like to have multiple Utah Jazz players in that, in that All-Star game. And there's a lot of pressure on Danny Ainge to go and get an all-star this summer. Yeah. That's what I think the likely scenario is. I don't disagree that there's possibilities that they could approach it that way, but but that just sends the message you're not prioritizing winning. That's the problem with that. You know, like it, it sends the message that you care about vanity over actually winning championships. And yeah. Ryan Smith has not ever come off of the messaging that he's here to win championships. And he said on that very podcast that he want, he takes seriously – the the you know legacy that the Millers left behind and in carrying that legacy 
um, into the future in a successful fashion. And so that's why I say like, yeah, sure. There's possibilities. Absolutely. I mean, you could definitely handle it that way, but I just can't for the life of me believe that, that they're saying to themselves, well, you know, we we're hosting the all-star game. So that means we have to have those two guys in the game and then we'll move them. I just, that's just not realistic. And, and, yeah. and frankly, I would even, in my opinion, I would go as far as to say that that would be a waste of Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck's time because there's opportunity now coming up after the finals are over. And again, the Utah Jazz are not in a position to be wasting opportunity. Well, and I, I think the other thing that, that, that you know, has, has earned some, some spot on this show is this idea of discipline in this locker room. And I think Quinn Snyder is a player's coach. There's no question about that. Um, I think Quinn Snyder is a guy that would love on a nightly basis to play nine, 10 guys, but he doesn't have that depth on this roster. He has not had that depth on this roster for the last two years. Yeah. And when I look at Joe Ingles injury, the one thing that did is it shortened his bench a little bit. Um, I look in the Dallas series and I see Rudy Gay was not played a single minute. And I say to myself, well, there's a reason for that, right? So there is this idea that Quinn Snyder won't play young guys. I think there's a lot of coaches around this league that don't like playing young guys. And from what we saw in Keel Alexander Walker, I think he had one notable performance in a jazz uniform. Yeah. I don't think that earns you time in the Dallas series. Um, I look at the, the roster that Quinn has. I don't think it's at all a fit the way that he wants to play. So I think it, it makes things very difficult when you want, when you want your coach to maybe play younger guys. And from what I understand, nobody tells Quinn Snyder what rotations to use. Quinn has full autonomy over the players that are, once the players are given to him, what players get minutes. Those yeah. minutes are 100% in the control of Quinn Snyder. There are conversations, obviously. There are, hey, you know, trying this, doing that. Hey, what was your thought here? Hey, what do you think about this? Like, those conversations happen on a regular basis. Quinn Snyder has the final decision on who plays and when they play. And I don't think that's going to change. So when you look at this roster and the reasons for or against playing guys, I have no problem with the way that Quinn Snyder used his young guys this year because I am, again, going to tell you that I would like to have seen Jared Butler. He is the one guy that I say they mishandled this year. Send Jared Butler to the G League for a month and then bring the guy up. And when you bring him up, play him significant minutes. Playing him three, four minutes in trash time is not how you develop a guy. And you practice so little in this league anymore that practice time isn't where you develop guys. Yeah. Guys like Jared Butler need minutes. Whether that's at the G League level or the NBA level, great. But let's be brutally honest about Jared Butler. When he got his time with the Jazz, he was not stellar. There were a lot of times where he looked like he was swimming in the deep end. And you need him to be confident. He has to be your best player on the summer league this year. Jared Butler in Salt Lake and in Las Vegas has to be your best player, yeah. period. End of story. And if he's not, that's going to create problems for this team. Yeah. So when I sit here and I tell you, hey, his bench is a problem. His bench was a problem. His best bench player two years ago was George Niang. That was his... That was his his answer. After your top six guys, because every club has six guys, right? Like if, if you look around this league, the teams of note, I should say, the playoff teams in this league generally have six guys, right? Below the six guys, two for the last two years, was Joe Ingles really one of your top six guys? Not last year. No, he wasn't. Not two years ago. 
Yeah. He wasn't really. Because remember, what happened two years ago? Jordan Clarkson was your sixth man of the year. Joe Ingles was seventh or eighth coming off the bench, right? Depending on the situations and, and whatnot. Yeah. Joe Ingles occasionally started. Joe Ingles wasn't a top six guy the last two years. You've got six guys that you play on a regular basis. Jordan Clarkson's that sixth guy. Two years ago, it was George Niang. This past season, it was Joe Ingles. Yeah. And then he tore his knee, and then he got moved, and they never backfilled that. So if you're Quinn Snyder, there's considerable frustration around that, I think. Yeah. And and justifiably so. Well, and I, and I, and I think the the trouble is is that is that Quinn knows what Donovan can be, provided he has people around him on the floor. And I think that's the hard part. Quinn thinks they can yeah. go a lot farther than they've been. But but look again, this this the power dynamic at play is th- this is not unique to the Jazz. I mean, this is a conversation that happens in every organization. And I think the thing that a guy like Quinn Snyder wants is the ability to say, hey, I'm tired of fighting fighting the Dallas Mavericks with one hand tied behind my back. Give me something. You know, go out and get a player yeah. that can actually do something for me coming off the bench outside of Jordan Clarkson. But you know what? I, I think you, you said you touched on something there with Donovan Mitchell that I think is really important. Yeah. He Quinn Snyder's got to become more of a disciplinarian with with Donovan Mitchell is a good example of this. You can't be a, a turnstile on defense. Yeah. You cannot, in my opinion, continue to turn the ball over in the paint. You have, it, it, I think you have to put the onus on Donovan Mitchell to be a better player. Yeah. To be a better all-around player. And furthermore, what I'll say is, I think if you're Quinn Snyder, you have to be much more of a disciplinarian on a guy like Royce O'Neal. Royce has got to be a better player in this setup. And, but isn't that the perfect example? If we're talking about Royce O'Neal having to be more of a leveraged player, you're fucked from the beginning. Well, and, and this I mean, kind of excuse speaks, my French, but yeah. you're in trouble from the beginning. Yeah, and, and this speaks to the, the history of the last five years and why you're in this position. And yes. There's this whole, there's this raging excitement in the fan base about open tryouts and because they found Royce O'Neal That's in so open ridiculous. tryouts. And, and, and here's so ridiculous. My thing with that whole situation is I, I just can't, get down with the idea that tryouts replace the NBA draft. The only reason that, that, that there's a lot of conversation about these tryouts is because the Utah Jazz don't have picks in this NBA draft, and they're going to have to make a trade to acquire picks if that is indeed what they're looking for. But let's not let's not make this assertion that these open tryouts somehow replace the, the, the D1, grade A, best talent in the country guys that are in the NBA draft in the top 10 picks for a reason. And and that's why I say, yeah, Royce O'Neal's had a great career for, for who he is and the contributions he provides to an NBA team. But, but let's not sit here and say that you're going to find the next Donovan Mitchell in open tryouts. This isn't, this isn't some Pixar movie, bro. Like you're not just going to find some, some, you know, diamond in the rough guy. And by the way, my other problem with the tryout thing is, even if you did find a diamond in the rough guy, you've been completely incompetent at developing players. But you, you that's that's hitting the nail on the head. And I would just ask you, did the Phoenix Suns find guys at open tryouts? Have the Boston Celtics found guys at open tryouts? Have the Golden State Warriors, have the Milwaukee Bucks, have the LA Lakers, have the LA Clippers, have the Dallas Mavericks, all the top teams in the Western Conference, did Memphis find John Moran at an open tryout? Did they find Desmond Bain in an open tryout? If you are signing guys at open tryouts, you're not winning anything. The problem with this team 
And it, uh, again, I'll just be bluntly honest about it. And you might not like this as a Jazz fan, but the truth be told, which is what we do on this show yeah. every single day, the problem with this team is the draft has yielded nothing. Keep it real. No, I, in all honesty, the draft has, has yielded nothing. And, yeah. and again, I'm not trying to poke the bear. Devin Booker's wearing a sun sweater today, not a Jazz uniform. Yeah. Right? Like he is... Devin Booker is the perfect example of this. Rodney Hood is the perfect example of this. Dante, Dante Exum. Exum is the perfect yes. example of this. Yes. Udoka Azabuki is the perfect example of this. Guys that this, this team has historically drafted, and again, I understand Dennis is the guy that did all these moves and he's not here anymore, but you're paying the sins of the past. Yes. That's what you're doing right now. And so when you talk about signing guys in open tryouts, let that go. Because yeah. if you're an NBA club signing guys out of open tryouts, you're one of two things. You're lazy or you're not very good at talent evaluation. Yeah. Which one is it? And I would say Dennis Lindsay is never going to be accused of being lazy. He just wasn't very good at drafting players. Yeah. And so now you wind up in situations where you, the, the arguably the best guy that you got out of the draft was through a trade yeah. with Trey Lyle, who you thought was going to be the end of the world. Now, thankfully, you spun him into Donovan Mitchell. So now you're all ready. You know, like I, 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 I see tweets every day. I get DMs every day about, you know, no D Donovan Mitchell. You're already willing to cash out on Donovan Mitchell when you don't know what his ceiling is. But you know he's better than we've seen this past year, right? You got to be better than that. You can't be sitting here talking about, well, we're going to trade this guy. Yeah. Okay, well, you want to build around Rudy Gobert then? Because Rudy Gobert is is arguably, you know, in the Dennis Lindsay era, he's probably the best player that you got out of that era. And equally the biggest mistake you made. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. It's incredible. So you, it, my point in all of this is you can't keep making the same mistake over and over and over again because that's what bad teams do. Mm -hmm. It's what the Knicks do. It's what historically the Nets had been doing when they were in New Jersey. They get a new owner, he spends money, and they start going to Eastern Conference Finals. It's what the Suns did. Right? It's what the Suns did until they didn't. They got it. They got a young, hip general manager. They got one of the best available head coaches. Their owner got the F out of the way. And I'm telling you, they drafted well. The Golden State Warriors draft. Why are the Golden State Warriors in the finals? Clay. Steph and Dre. That's why they're in the NBA Finals. Jordan Poole, Kaminga. Like, the list is endless of guys that they are their guys. But it all centers around the draft. And and, 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 and I think, you know, the Warriors, and the Suns to a lesser extent, but I think the Warriors are the blueprint. And what I wouldn't – and, again, the Jazz aren't in a position right here today, but I think, you know, what I would love to see mentality-wise, what I'd love to see them do is, is approach the draft that way, like, what really screams out to me about the Dennis Lindsay era is the scouting was terrible because you brought up John ja Morant. Where did they find John ja Morant? Well, yeah, he was the number two overall pick in the draft, but where do you think he got discovered? The Memphis Grizzlies were at Murray State. Like and the the, the stories about John ja Morant, like I just look at I look at I look at the Devin Booker pick. It it makes no sense. It it it, it the Dante Exum pick makes no sense here today it still makes no sense yeah that guy's not an nba player he did he, look I, and again we shouldn't be man. crucifying these guys for that by the way and that i don't want to but said. you know what i also don't want to keep going back yeah you have a new owner and this is why i say and i know i got a ton of heat from this from jazz fans when i said this 
Ryan Smith needs a win. Ryan Smith needs a move that's an unequivocal win. I keep hearing about uniforms. We keep hearing about tryout players. Are the Lakers or Celtics or Warriors or any of these other teams that have made significant moves over the last three years, are they worried about their uniforms? Are they worried about open tryouts? No. They're not. Never. Ryan Smith is – if, and I don't believe it's true. I don't believe it's true. Let me say again, I don't believe it's true. If Ryan Smith is focused on keeping Rudy and Don so he has two guys in the All-Star game, the problem's a lot deeper than two guys in the All-Star game. Um, Ryan Smith needs a win. It's time to stop talking about being a billionaire and how cool his story is. It's time to start winning games. But I also am here to tell you, he's in the learning curve yes. right now. Why is Danny Ainge here? Oh, they're friends and BYU. No, Danny Ainge is here because Ryan Smith is one thing. Man, he's intelligent. Yeah. Ryan Smith is really smart. Facts. He knows what he doesn't know. Yeah. So he's bringing in a guy who knows what he doesn't know. And that's why he's here. And that's why Dwayne's Wade, Dwayne Wade's here. And Danny Ainge, we Man. trust. Yeah. I, I mean, you I have to. That's the position you're in as a Jazz fan. I, I mean, literally, like, like that's where it's at right now. And, and, and again... I agree with you. At some point, you have to stop going back. But the past is still haunting you today, and that's why everyone still talks about it. And that's yeah. why I agree. Damn if this front office doesn't need a win right now. Like, you need to sort of make that first move that, like, defines this front office team's tenure, like, the beginning at, of their time. Look at the move to get Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, it's a great move. It's an absolutely like, savage if move. If you look at the D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins, like— you look at how the Boston Celtics are in the NBA Finals right now because they didn't trade Jalen Brown and they didn't trade Marcus Smart, mm -hmm. right? You look at you look at Andrew Wiggins. The, the Warriors were terrible, but they had the balls to go and make a big trade. We've As a fan base, we have got to stop talking about open tryouts. Like, I, I cannot tell you the lunacy of that statement. And I, I know I saw the I saw the tweets. Jake yesterday is you know texting me like, can you believe this? Like, do you know how bad it? As a fan base, I love jazz fans. You're so passionate, but bro, you gotta step out of the the minor leagues. You gotta raise the bar here. Yeah, you gotta you gotta stop talking about open tryouts and Royce O'Neal. That that's what drives me crazy. All right, let's let's get some of your thoughts in here. Because it, it just you, you just can't keep doing it. I'm telling you guys, you've got to raise the bar. Yeah. You've got to raise the bar. You have to. Um, all right, let's go back to the top. James Knight, my man, what's up? Where is my 4X gold? James, oh. we're talking to you. Where's my 4X gold, man? Summer ale, you know. Damn, that that is such good beer. God, it's winter in Australia. And Australia, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Where's my beer? Catch me outside. How about that? James, my guy. I love you, dude. I'm so glad you're here today, James. Thanks for showing up. Uh, Rec, Rec One, my guy. Where you been? Rec One, what's up? Good to see you. Uh, Jordan A. Morning, guys. Jordan A. Good morning to you. Hello. Uh, I got it. I slept like nine and a half hours last night. And you I feel had great. A, it's amazing, I had a migraine. Um, my poor wife. My wife deserves a medal because... Just on um, the regular, I am not the easiest guy to be married to. Um, um, 
<laughs> but last night, like she comes up from, I, I had an odd day yesterday. I had a bunch of business stuff I had to deal with. And, you know, I, so I'm, I'm just working with business stuff. She finishes work around six. She comes upstairs and I'm just, I'm on the couch with like this crazy headache and spinal. Yeah. She's like, she's like trying to do this and that and dinner and the, you know, the, the a word goes off. Don't forget to take the trash out fat ass. And so then we got, <laughs> it became personal with me. Then we got to take the trash out and I'm just, my wife, I just, I was crabby and she deserves a medal. And when she comes down here, hopefully she comes down here today. Well, well I'll tell her that. Cause she, I'm going to do that. Metal. Yeah. Uh, Del Hargis. What's up? Um, we're, we're here for the Monty bomb. Okay. Del, uh, Tan I appreciate that. Tanner. Good morning to you. Did you get the car back yet? Um, <coughs> he did. Oh, Hey, yeah. Another Karen Montemayor story coming up later. Not really. I handled myself very well. <laughs> Karen Montemayor. <laughs> the Jeep dealer. Shut up, Jake. Me. You shut your mouth. You shut your mouth. So uh, there's a Jeep story coming up. Yeah. Neville 93 says morning. What are you guys eating for breakfast today? I haven't eaten yet. Man. I'm hoping my wife makes oats. My wife, again, my wife's a saint. She makes me oats every day, and she makes these apple oats. They're so good. Yeah, well, foam poles, baby. Uh, Giggity <laughs> says, good morning. Jeremy Bolton says, sup, what's up, sup? Uh, Tanner, personally, letting Quinn uh, go would be a mistake. He's not perfect, but he's not the Jazz main problem. I hope he stays. Well, and he'd be highly coveted, well, too. Well, and I think... I think Quinn Snyder's an elite NBA head coach. Yeah. And there's a lot of times where your wife's no longer hot because she's your wife and you see her every day. Right. But the dude down the street thinks she's a smoke show. And that's where you're at with Quinn Snyder. Mm -hmm. Quinn Snyder, the jazz fans, I think there's a lot of jazz fans who are frustrated with Quinn. But so you, you don't understand just how good of a head coach he is. Man, I hope Danny Ainge performs, dude. Me Please. too. James Knight says, mark my words, R.C. Buford wants Snyder to replace Pop at the Spurs. I would agree with that, Oh, I'm James. sure he does. Yeah. I'm, I mean, honestly, like, I, I, I agree. Like, why wouldn't you want Quinn to replace your head coach? Like, again, it, yeah. even like, you know, not that the Charlotte Hornets are – going after Quinn Snyder, but they're in a, they're in a head coaching thing and that, you know, Dan Tony's in the running and, you know, so they've been looking at guys and you can't Wait, are me. you saying that James Borrego is no Quinn Snyder? I, you know, what? you know, okay. So that's how it's Yeah. Be. You know, and no offense to good old James Borrego, but you know, yeah, I just think that, you know, Quinn, and this is the thing with the whole, the whole narrative that Quinn would be happy to sit out the duration of his contract if it doesn't work out with the Jazz because he knows he'd be coveted. And he also knows it's been a stressful couple of years with the bubble and this team not performing and, and Don being unhappy on some level with them not being able to get to that next level. Like, it's been a stressful run for Quinn Snyder. So that's why I say he would be in high demand. He would get paid. And that's why I think in this situation he has the leverage because he doesn't necessarily yep. need the Jazz, but he wants to be here. Yep, I agree with that. Um, Rudy Sanchez says, morning, fellas. Uh, what's up, Rudy? Always good to see you. Uh, Ramsey's 10 SA uh, says, you can't let go of Quinn. He holds the team together and not just coaching-wise. Uh, Tony also reported that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think Tony, I think um, Quinn Snyder is is a lot more than a head basketball coach. I will yeah. tell you that. Ken Williams, good morning to you. He says, Quinn don't play his bench anyways, so why does it matter who we get or who he gets? He, But who who on his bench deserved more minutes? Yeah, but uh, look. I, Especially in the playoffs. We've had that conversation a million times. I mean, with all due respect, like his bench wasn't – he didn't really have a bench. Like – 
I I am I am somebody who definitely agrees with the narrative that Jared Butler should have got way more minutes and yes. he was completely mishandled. I yes. I 100 And not all of that is on Quinn Snyder. It's not all on Quinn, but I think that Quinn's unwillingness to play young guys comes back to get him in certain situations. Again, it's an unfair comparison to compare the Jazz to the Warriors and what Steve Kerr's done with the Warriors. It's unfair. But in logic, in thought process, I do think it's fair on some level. The reason the Warriors have so much depth is because guys like Kaminga, guys like Jordan Wiseman, Poole. guys like Jordan Poole, they got a ton of minutes. They developed those guys. So, But maybe, they were also terrible. Yeah. So it were. was okay for James Wiseman to play a lot of minutes. It was okay for Jordan Poole to but play a lot of minutes. But how do you find that balance? Because you can't honestly tell me that Quinn Snyder in the front office, you, you they may have rolled out at the beginning of the season that they were going to run it back, and that's why they signed Mike. But I just don't get down with the idea that you looked at that roster and you said, yeah, we're going to go out and beat the Warriors and the Suns and the Maverick. Like, I just don't get down with that. I don't. Like, I don't think they no. truly in their heart of hearts believe that. Brandon Whitesides, good morning to you, my friend. He says, Snyder's biggest problem is babying Don. Lack of accountability for his lack of defense and his extreme feelings. If a three-time defensive player called out a player like Kobe, does it hurt his feelings? Well, here's the problem, though. Yeah. Here's the problem, though. Rudy also needs more, and your word is accountability. Rudy Gobert's pick-and-roll defense is horrendous. Horrendous. You, uh, you go back no further than that Houston game. And again, I will just say, you're putting Rudy Gobert in situations he's not built for. Yeah. But what choice do you have? Because you don't have depth. You don't have a power. Do you understand that this roster lacks a true power forward? You understand that. You don't have a Markeith Morris, Marquise Morris. You don't have, I mean, think of the, the best power forwards in the NBA. You don't have an Aaron Gordon. You don't have guys that that are built like LeBron and have LeBron's mobility or can guard the corner and sag to the paint. You're asking Rudy Gobert to guard Terrence Mann or whoever's in the corner. Rajon Rondo. You're, you're asking him to switch on to... The Luka Doncic's of the world. Rudy's going to make a play one out of every 15 to 20 possessions there. And then you're going to turn around and blame him for that as a fan base. But what I'm telling you is blame Justin Zanuck. And before that, blame Dennis Lindsay because they're the ones who are at fault, not Rudy Gobert and not Quinn Snyder. You haven't built depth on this team. And Hassan Whiteside brought some positivity to the bench. No doubt about it. But the guy is a pain in the ass, and he doesn't show up on a nightly basis. And then Yudoka Azubuki just is not an NBA athlete at this point. Yeah, He just isn't. And so you lack a true power forward on this team. Who are you playing at power forward? Boyan Bogdanovich. And we've, we've gone over this. It's not even that he's too small. He can't move. Look at the situations where you have Rudy Gobert and Boyan Bogdanovich on the same side of the floor. And how many teams this year manipulated the Jazz into an ISO situation with Rudy and Boyan is his help? Yeah. That's a disaster if you're the Utah Jazz. Look at how many times Rudy and Boyan had to make a choice between the top of, you know, the, the top of the arc and guarding somebody in the corner. And they miscommunicated on it repeatedly. Is that Quinn Snyder's fault? It's not. It's not. You don't have a power forward of, of any ability on this roster. Yeah. Which, what does that do to Rudy Gobert? It damages Rudy Gobert. It makes him less effective. 
anytime Rudy Gobert doesn't have a foot in the paint, it's a problem. It's a problem for the Jazz because he cannot be asked to guard perimeter players. It's not right. It's not fair. And frankly, it does not put you in a position to win that and game. And frankly, if I'm being honest, I'm tired of having that conversation. Like, how many times are we going to talk about that? You're asking Rudy to do too much. You know, and, like, and frankly, babying Don might be the right way to put that, Brandon. You're not wrong about that. Yeah, I think the issue is is that Don, the thing, the 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 thing with Kobe, that comparison that he made. The difference is, is that Kobe put you so far over the top, he was winning games for you. Don's not doing that. And Kobe was an elite defender later in his career. But And again, I would yeah. point out, and I just want to point this out, yeah. that I covered Kobe from the moment he missed all those threes against the Jazz in the playoffs all the way through his championship run with Shaq and after. Yeah. Kobe Bryant evolved on a minute-to-minute -minute basis. The minute that he shot those air balls against the Jazz, he was a much better player. He And... And we got to stop comparing people to Mo Kobe and Mike because those guys were just built different. Yeah, those guys just were built different. I think Don is is of that mindset. He's on. He, do you understand that Donovan Mitchell right now and a couple other guys flew their trainers to an island so they could train in isolation and build their bodies? And Donovan Mitchell, David Alexander, who is Donovan Mitchell's trainer. Put up a video yesterday of Donovan Mitchell and David Alexander on a boat in the water. And people are like, oh, you're a lazy ass. Why are you on a boat? You should be in the gym. Well, do you know what he was doing on the boat? He was going to another island where they have a gym so he could play pickup. Donovan Mitchell is on an island training, renting a boat, going to another island where there's a gym a, and he can play pickup. Yeah. So don't tell me that Donovan Mitchell doesn't work hard or he doesn't want it or he's doing exactly what you hope he will be doing. Yeah. He is living every day right now for the next week or so with his physical trainer. The same guy that LeBron pays, the same guy that Danny or that D Wade paid. That's who Donovan Mitchell's trainer is. Don's doing it right. Yeah. Don is doing it right. We're less than a month away from the, the, the black ops runs in Brooklyn. And you're going to see Donovan Mitchell there. I'm telling you now, Donovan Mitchell is not your problem. Roster construction is your problem on this team. Ken Williams says, uh, Donnie ruined this team with his BLM bullcrap. No, he didn't. No, no, he did not. He didn't. No, he did not. That's it. No. And Ken, I, I think you're newer to our show with all due respect. I, I, I just think that that is a short-sighted, ridiculous take. Yeah. Ruined this team with his BLM crap. So all the other guys who were wearing that on the back of their jersey in the bubble, after the bubble, you you side with the community that was upset then that they were giving scholarships to underprivileged and in, in people without opportunity. That's just what I'm surmising. That's Ken, I don't know you and you don't know me. That's a ridiculous take. That's a ridiculous take. James Knight says, that's BS, Ken. Thank you. Anton Galabov says, I hope not. Just trade the prima Don. Maybe trading Don's the right thing to do. They're not going to do it. They're not. And I will again reiterate, I've been told a hundred times. Repeatedly. Uh, it, it's ad nauseum. Since December, I have been told that Donovan Mitchell and ownership and management, Ryan Smith, Danny Ainge, have all told Donovan Mitchell point blank, we're going to build this team around you. They recognize that the team is currently built around Rudy Gobert, and that's a mistake, and they yeah. cannot win that way. They are going to remake this roster around Donovan Mitchell to play to his strengths. 
Yeah. Make or break time for Don. It's make or break time for Don, period. That it, it, it is what it is. Uh, James Knight says, the year Clarkson won the Sixth Man Award, many argued that award was um, Joe's, so matter of opinion, I guess. Yeah, matter of opinion. Matter, absolutely. Eric C. says, morning, Monty Town. Eric C., good to see you. Tanner says, morning, Eric C. Ken Williams says, James, really look at his defense. It's terrible. Was TGE BLM good for the team? Yeah, it was. Absolutely, it was. The Black Lives Matter movement brought this jazz locker room together. It did not separate them in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. It's, and I would tell you it brought the league together, too. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it absolutely was 100% good for the NBA and its community. No doubt about that. Because I'm telling you now, Black Lives Matter, you don't have to agree with it, but it it, <laughs> it, 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 it is factually accurate. It, it, it in yeah I don't want to get into it yeah it is what it don't is. go down the rabbit hole Tanner says facts Monty the Jazz probably have one of the worst draft track records in the NBA without question yeah, and you're paying the price now Tanner also that. says you spun him into Donovan Mitchell that's funny you say that Monty because Don's nickname is Spider Mitchell truth uh James Knight says oh it's going to be unbearable listening to Golden State slurping over the next couple of weeks <coughs> <coughs> Uh, Ken says, I would keep Rudy build around him. They're already built around Rudy. Yeah, what do you mean? Rudy Gobert there is the center of this team, and it's it's why they have the issues they have. Uh, whoa, huge comment. Um, Jeremy Bolton says, will the NBA ever see another Kobe, Michael, or Caruso with that incredible mentality? I don't think so. I think Alex Caruso is the last of his breed. <clears throat> Calvin Howard says... <laughs> I tried to say it with a straight face, Jeremy. I tried to say it with a straight face, and I could not. Uh, Calvin Howard says, Rudy Gay efficiency. I basically, the same place that Bogey did a game one is by far superior. You never even saw Jay in the playoffs. Rudy and Rudy on the floor together this year was in, was incredible the entire season with over 500 minutes played together. Why did we not see that? Because Rudy Gay was often injured, missed a lot of minutes, and he can't defend. And they didn't like the matchups in the Dallas series. He could not defend. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the hard part. I don't disagree, Calvin, that Rudy Gay brought you three-point shooting. But Boyan Bogdanovich has a certain want and ability with his defense. Yeah, He wants to be a great defender. He just doesn't, frankly, have the athletic ability to do it. But he works hard on defense. Yeah. I think Rudy Gay just is not capable of that same work rate. And I think you'd rather have the work rate without the result than no no ability to work hard. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, Neville says, I noticed that the jazz community has a lot of emotions towards the players. I just think that this uh, nation needs to grow up and think outside the box so we can win a title. I agree with that. Big dog O-Town. Mm -hmm. What's up, my man? Jazz can, Shout to Mobamba. Jazz can get bigger with this current roster with the position change. Move Mitchell to point. If Royce stays, he goes to shooting guard. Bogey from four to three. Still got to find a hybrid 4-5. Rudy out. Yeah. Uh, Calvin said they had mu uh, too much emotion drawn into specific players. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Agree with Bogey being targeted. I Yes. Been gone for a few weeks for work. They announced the, uh, the restaurant yet? Yeah, we have not, Jeff. Unfortunately, the restaurant came to an end for the moment. But, no, I don't want to – I'm going to stop there because I don't want to say too much or give too much away. Um, Utah fan from India – says, this team is a playoff team because it's built around Rudy. The day they build it around Donovan, the Jazz will be a lottery team. Maybe. It'll be a lottery team. That's funny. Maybe. But what happens when you trade Rudy Gobert's contract? 
What do you do with $41 million? And my guess is Rudy Gobert, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Mike Conley are gone by the time we get to training camp. I think almost certainly two of those three will not be here. So you're like, oh, well, without Rudy, we're a defensive sieve. Well, do you really think they just trade Rudy Gobert and they're like, all right, let's put that $14 million into, um, you know, Coronas. Um, Limes for everybody on the house. Yeah. Or are they going to bring in other players? Because you don't send out Rudy Gobert and just not replace him. Yeah. This is the other conversation I think is so fascinating in Jazzland. Oh, we're done if we trade Rudy. Do you not think they'll replace him? Has Danny Ainge like, oh, well, how do you think they got Kevin Garnett? Are you out of your goddamn mind? How do you think the Heat got LeBron James? How do you think the Lakers got Pau Gasol? I mean, they're not just going to trade a guy and not bring somebody else in. Yeah. Let's see what they bring in instead of that. Think of it, guy, between Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley, you've got $65 million a year tied up. Y'all feel me? In those two players, $65 million. What's the net return on that? Not a lot of defense and not a lot of offense. Think about that. $65 million bucks for how many points a game? 30. Maybe 30. Maybe thir in the playoffs? 30, 35 on a good night. What was it in the playoffs, though? 20, 25. For $65 million bucks, I'm paying a guy to score me 20 points a night? Two guys. No, my point is, help me just a little, just a little bit. Together, they weren't scoring more than 35 points. They're making $65 million and you're only getting 20 points and probably 15 rebounds. Yeah. And maybe two, two threes a game. That's, That's not enough. Yeah. That's not enough. What can you turn $65 million into? I guarantee you that's a power forward. Yeah. I guarantee you that's three players. What do three $20 million players mean to this roster? Think about it. That's a lot of player. Jeremy Bolton says, is there anyone in the NBA right now with that Kobe mentality? There's not. With, not that's manifesting it on the floor. There's not. Jason Tatum's probably the closest, and he just hasn't gotten there yet. He needs adversity. Jason Tatum is – let's see what happens with whoever loses the NBA Finals. Because losing to the Detroit Pistons changed Kobe Bryant forever. Forever. So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. All right. Okay. How we feeling? Hey, you know, as the same way we always feel after we talk jazz. All right. Real quick. Yeah. Pac-12 football. Mm -hmm. After you hit like and subscribe and shop our affiliate links below. And by the way, great yeah. job on the subscriber count. We are rocketing towards 5,000. Um, on this uh, here YouTube channel. Wow, we're over 4,300. 4,309. Damn. Wow. Okay. boy. 4,309 on the subscribers. We appreciate you. If you're here right now, please give us a thumbs up and a like. Um, and Give us a thumbs up and hit subscribe. We really appreciate that. It helps the channel grow. Um, we are giving away a PlayStation 5 when we get to 5,000 subscribers. So that's only like 700 away now. Yep. That's crazy. A couple of weeks. That's crazy. Appreciate you guys very much. Um, let's talk Pac-12 real quick. Yeah. The Pac-12 changed the way they do business. Um, the Pac-12 has eliminated divisions 
to determine its Pac-12 championship contenders. They will instead go to Pac-12 conference game winning percentage. Mm -hmm. Your winning percentage in games played in the conference. So we've looked at this, and Jake, how different would the conference be over the last five years if they had eliminated divisions previously? Yeah, quite a bit different. Uh, and this list uh, in particular goes actually back to 2011. So in 2011, you in the game, who played was Oregon and UCLA. It, under the new system, it would have been Stanford and Oregon. In 2012, you had Stanford and UCLA. Under the new system, it would have once again been Oregon and Stanford. Now, you have no change in 2013 and 2014. The next change would have been in 2015 when you had Stanford versus USC. You would have had Stanford versus Oregon. So I want to point something out here. Oh, man. I want to point something out. You remember the Bryce Love Stanford football teams. All of those teams, a lot of that, a lot of that production and a lot of you know, the teams when Stanford was really good, they would have been in the Pac-12 championship game a, a lot more under this new system. Now, again, that was 2015, that last example. Fast forward to 2018. We had Washington and Utah. That game would have been Washington versus Washington State under the new system. No change in 2019 when it was Utah and Oregon. 2020 was USC in Washington. It would have been USC in Colorado under the new system. So that just kind of gives you an idea of what they're trying to do, which is they're trying to basically say, okay, we want to prioritize running the conference, but a byproduct of that is making it easier and giving us uh, a better chance of putting a team in the college football playoff. That's yes. ultimately what they're trying to do. Well, and I think what you're trying to do is if, if you have a Northern division, like look how many years Oregon and Washington were very good. Yeah. Oregon, Washington. Like if, if you, if you look at last year, um, you know, w it, would it have been better um, to have, you know, to have a, a, an Oregon, Oregon state, Washington state, like, Think about what the North has been historically. You've really been Oregon um, and Washington and Stanford, but only one of those teams can can really achieve at the top of the conference and play for a championship yeah. because the divisional setup. Now, if Oregon, Washington, and Stanford, and Stanford's going to be dreadful again, but if Oregon and Washington are good teams and they win in the conference, now they actually have both of them in the North have access to the, the Pac-12 championship, which I think is – is absolutely smart and absolutely the right way to do it. And I mean, look at USC. Anytime that the Pac-12 can have USC in a leverage situation, that's good for the conference. Yeah. So if USC and Utah are are the two top winning percentage teams in conference play, one of them should not be eliminated. And now you've put yourself in a situation where the top brands in the conference have access to the conference championship outside of winning a division. Yes. This is a very smart move, tactically speaking, and that's why yesterday at the SEC coaches' meetings, what did you hear about? Nick Saban. But you also heard about them talking about, hey, do we want to play eight or do we want to play nine conference games? Do we want to eliminate divisions and go on winning percentage to determine who goes to the, the SEC championship game? Yeah. Other conferences will follow suit, and I think it's the right thing to do because by having divisions to determine your conference champion – all you are doing is limiting your best teams from playing for a national championship. And I think ultimately that hurts you financially. Yep. And anything in college football that hurts you financially is bad for business. It's ridiculous. Mainly because college basketball is suffering so much. Yeah. So I think you're in a situation now where the Pac-12, you can start to see that the Pac-12 is moving in the right direction. Right? So in my opinion, I, I think when you look at what's happening with the Pac-12 right now,
Um, you know, I, I think you have you have a situation where USC, I think USC could arguably contend for, for a national championship um, as soon as this year. Because now that the divisions are eliminated, there's no reason to think that USC can't make the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, absolutely. And if they make the Pac-12 championship game, there's a real high chance that they're going to have access to a New Year's Six Bowl and they're going to have access to the, the college football playoff. Yep. Because I guarantee you this right now, if USC is playing for a conference championship, more people are watching football on TV. Yes. There is no doubt about that. Yes. As much as we all may hate USC, there's no doubt the Pac-12 is healthier when they're healthier. So that's going to be interesting. But to your point, I think Stanford's the team here that got screwed. Yeah, they. I mean, in the current – well, not the current setup, the prior setup when you had divisions, they they were getting screwed, I mean, four or five times, you know. So it, it's – it's look, it's good for college football. It's good for the Pac-12. And, and I have to agree with you, the more you can put USC on national TV in big games, the, the better it is for your conference. And I think that, that it, it just sets teams up to have more success. And ultimately – We've been waiting for – and it's so funny that this comes out now Now that Larry Scott's no longer your commissioner. It's, like, amazing what happens when you get a new commissioner. Good things start oh, to happen. he was a bottleneck. There's no, yeah. doubt, there's no doubt about the fact that Larry Scott stopped a lot of development and progression in the, in the Pac-12. There, there is no doubt about that. Yeah. And I think not only did he spend far too much money, he didn't make nearly enough money. I mean, he was an absolute liability. And I think this new setup, you know, brings them more money. It puts more Pac-12 football teams in big games on TV. So that's really ultimately going to help you in recruiting. It's going to help yeah. you in, in TV revenue. It's going to help you in future TV deals. You know, who knows what happens to the Pac-12 network, what its long-term viability is. But you got to believe that this is good for the Pac-12 network. Because if more of this conference recruits – and if more of this conference levels up in football, the Pac-12 network goes up in value. Yes. And right now, I just don't think it's a very valuable property. That's that's my opinion. I just don't – I think there are probably five teams in this conference that are worth watching. Be more valuable on DirecTV, I can tell you that. that. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. All right, so now, can we talk about the metaverse, please? Yeah. Jesus. All right, let's transition into the oh. non let's, – <laughs> Let's transition <laughs> into Mrs. Monty. Now, I want to say this. And I, I talked about this yeah, previously. Before you came down. I appreciate your patience with my whatever I was in the mood for last night. I was quite crabby last night. And you know, I was dealing with like a, a I had like a migraine headache last night, as I was saying earlier. It was not bueno. Right. It was not fun. So right. Mrs. Monte, I appreciate your patience and coming down to a clean house this morning that smelled good and you know, I mean, well, thank you. If if you could wear a mask, that would help me. But anyway, no, I'm kidding. I um, thought it was the paper bag. Paper bag with the eyes cut out. That helps. That's yeah. why Mrs. Monty's not on camera because, you know, no, right, I'm right, right. I'm kidding because Mevo sucks. That's why. Um, let's talk about the metaverse. OK, so we all know what the, the does everybody on board with what the metaverse is. It is, uh, you know, alternate realities and you know, virtual reality with the Oculus headset, $8,999 on sale. I don't know what you're talking about. All right? right. So you put on this headset and you copulate with a bunch of people. You and copulate. You know, you you drive cars and you do whatever nonsense they do in the metaverse. Because frankly, $450,000 for, uh, you know, a house. A, a house next to Snoop. Some that idiot. Yeah. Tell that story. Some idiot. Some idiot 
This is the whole like NFT thing. You're essentially paying way too much money for a PDF, but okay, cool. Uh, cool bro. You bought an electronic. You, you know, said PDF. Did you mean NFT? No, like an NFT is like a PDF. You just bought that. It's just that it has a blockchain attached. Um, Good for you. Digital artwork. It's worth nothing. Um, but, you know, America. or you paid $450,000 in the metaverse to buy a digital house next to Snoop Dogg because you think that'll be attractive. And that means absolutely and nothing. make money off it, of that. It means nothing. Dude. People so, have too much fucking money. Yep. Whoa. This is a family show. People have oh, too Lord. much money. To and be she wonders why I get my $450,000 to a digital house. How about we buy a needy family three houses? Some idiot paid $450,000 for a digital plot of land that's worth nothing. It's really despicable. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so. Anyway. Meta. Mm. You mean Facebook. Facebook. Meta has its own metaverse, which is a digital world that's not real. It's not real. How about that? Right? So this week, there was a heinous report that came out that a woman was sexually assaulted in the metaverse. And what this means is she put on this Oculus headset and other dudes who were in this metaverse with her. It's basically a digital chat room. Right. That was in this metaverse with her assaulted her in the metaverse like surrounded her in virtual reality and it's classic human behavior they were at like a digital party and the whole thing it happened just like it happens in real life and and she just stood there and watched her you know like icon or avatar i guess would be the word avatar yeah her avatar um yeah be it's it's her it's her avatar yeah um, but yeah, and I, I, I say nothing here to reduce the seriousness of, uh, of assault against women or other humans in any way, shape or form. This metaverse thing is ridiculous. It is one of these situations where it's not real. You need to put the headset down and it, it, like Richard McDonald said, F the metaverse, go outside kids. Please do. Real. Please do. Please do. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not real. What are we doing? Are we in such a situation in this world where we truly believe that putting on a headset and escaping the reality of our credit card debt or our student loan debt or the cost of oil, that we think this somehow is an, is anything more than an escape for a few minutes? Let's or go that, somewhere. Yeah, you can escape your normal life to go be the predator you always wanted to be. Disgusting. Spot on. Disgusting. Like this is what we've turned into. Yeah. And I, I listen. I understand that this stuff is cool and fun and neat, and to play basketball and VR and virtual reality has its place. But I still go back to what Meatball over here said a couple of months ago. Oh, well, the metaverse is coming, and it's for real, MFers, and we're gonna do the all only this thing stuff. That legitimizes it is people are Get using it, bro. Get out of here. This is my thing. I agree with you. I don't know why people are using it, but they are using it, which means that it's getting traction. You know what the metaverse is? The metaverse is crypto. The metaverse is NFTs. The metaverse is buying $450,000 plots of land that aren't real. Like, it's one thing to just build the d- digital house and say you have a cool house. Well, yes. Coolio, cool. Like, why are you paying $450,000 for because that? Because they think that in it's a, it's a future play. They think that in, you know, 10 or 20 years that 
the metaverse is going to be some you know legitimate thing and i just i just can't wrap my head around it i, I, I don't can't. understand I can't. how how it would turn into something i i it, it how do i say this gently because if you use the metaverse i'm not saying you're a fool but you're a fool <laughs> like no it's in all seriousness i think we we are so unhappy as a populace that we look for these things to to go and do like this is no different than being in a loveless, unhappy marriage. And so you were banging the neighbor. Like, I mean, instead of dealing with the issue of your marriage, you're out banging the neighbor <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of dealing with the issues that make you unhappy, that have like during the thing we can't talk about where you have to wear the thing and get stuck in the arm with the other thing because we're not allowed to talk about the thing from it, Skippy YouTube. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, right. during this period of time with the thing happening, I think that's HIPAA. we isolated ourselves. <laughs> so why can we not say, okay, well, during the thing that we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube, where we isolated ourselves, well, that's over now. Why don't we go out and go see Top Gun? Why don't that's we go out, out the window? Why don't we drive to the Tetons? Why don't we go down to Arches? Why don't we go to the Utah Grizzlies game? But what about all these people who 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 maybe don't like these people who are just chilling and going through life alone? Like, what about those people? Because there's a I, good sect of people who are like that. But and we talked about this when you were a virgin and you were trying to date and be unvirginized. Hell no. My point is, <laughs> is unvirginized a thing? I don't think it is. My point is, if you are isolated and lonely, and that is attached to a mental disease. That's a different conversation than this. If you are isolated and lonely, you have to take proactive measures to improve your life. Yeah. You have to go out and meet people. You have to go out on a walk. You need to join a hiking group. You need to like hiking is a great example in our sphere of this life sphere. I do not enjoy hiking. My wife is passionate about hiking. So I'm passionate about hiking. So I have to go out and do things I don't want to do because it brings me and Mrs. Monty closer. And hopefully at some point I'll actually have sex again. Love because, her boy. But anyway, the point you're is. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. If you're feeling lonely and isolated through the pandemic, you need to be proactive and you need to take steps that fix that. Please don't put on a headset and go lose yourself in the metaverse. I think it's so dangerous. I think it is so bad for us to be relying on the metaverse for friendship. Yeah. Because I got news for you. It's not going anywhere. The metaverse, and everybody said I was stupid to bail on crypto. Well, I bailed on crypto and it probably saved me tens of thousands of dollars on my level. Everybody said, oh, you're crazy. You should get into NFTs that aren't worth the paper they're printed on. Yeah. Because they're not printed. Well, thank you. See what she did there? Their digital, their digital properties were not printed. It all kind of works together. But I mean, it is like a PDF. You could print it. Yeah. Anyway, the I, point I, is, I understand. Yeah, I get it. It doesn't have value. I'm just telling you, the issue is, is that the more people buy these things, and the more people are buying dumbass and, houses, and NFTs legitimately are not printed on paper. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think the metaverse is gonna like disappear. It will always be there. It will not disappear. But I do think that it's, um, not necessarily healthy for everyone, and that report of what's happening meta needs to lock that down and apparently they yeah. said that that it was people who are savvy enough to disable settings yes and take advantage of what of the programming within the metaverse 
And if that's happening, they need better security. But when, is, when has Facebook ever been actually about security? No, when has Facebook ever done the right thing? Yeah. Because what did, and if we're being honest, here's the savage part about this sexual assault on the metaverse. It brought more people to the platform. Yeah. It, what did you, what Mrs. Monty, would you say a few minutes ago? If you wanted to be a predator and you couldn't do that in real life, all right, great. Throw on an Oculus headset. You can do that in the metaverse. Yeah, I mean, think about what you can do in it's video true. games, like in Grand Theft Auto. You can beat someone, you can murder someone, you can steal their car. Okay, And you can run them over. Cool, and that's you can... so fun. Is that happening in the metaverse? Look at, but look at, and, Holy and I, cow. this is probably one step too far, but I look at first-person shooter games and I look at the emergence of the, the AR in this country. Do you really think that Call of Duty's played no role in that? I think that it, it can be used in a healthy way to have fun. Yeah. But then when you're allowed to do things that go past what the game is about, then it, it becomes next level. How many times yeah. did you guys teabag somebody? Plenty of times. Right? It's and we had funny. fun doing it. It's funny, <laughs> but then the next step is how do we disable it and then sexually assault someone? We don't. And I right, think like, it, the metaverse meta has to control their platforms in the metaverse. And they're not going to because anything that's that's that makes them money, they're going to leave open. And it, it just it frustrates me that we have lost the ability to support each other. We have not even lost the ability. We've lost the desire yeah. to support each other, to take care of each other, to yeah. to when we see that our neighbor is struggling through the period of time we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube, go knock on their door. You know, like we, we live in a community where you'll knock on my door to ask me to, you know, come to church with you. But when we're going through a period of time that is the most difficult time in modern history, we won't go knock on a door and bring somebody a uh, chicken pot pie. We won't go knock on somebody's door and say, hey, you want to go for a walk? I'm, you know, we're heading out. You want to want to spend 10 minutes walking around the neighborhood? We yeah. won't do that. Hey, you know, I know your mom died and you're struggling with. We won't do that. But we'll put on an Oculus headset and we'll go assault people on a platform because that yeah. makes us feel better. Yeah, it's we've got to stop the man, the madness. We have to stop the madness real quick before we get to ghost peppers and the Jeep thing. This conversation that's going on right now with Ken and Black Lives Matter wow. in our comments section, you guys, if, and Ken, I think you're new here and we welcome you and your opinions are absolutely valid and welcome here. We have an open conversation on this show. If you want to come into the comments section and come into this show and have strong opinions, nobody's just going to leave that alone. When you bring up something like Don ruined this team with BLM, you're you're going to be held accountable yeah. to that conversation yeah. <laughs> and that comment. And if that's not your cup of tea, hey, man, we love you being here. Thank you so much. Please, on the way out, hit subscribe and give us a thumbs up. But get the <laughs> – like nobody wants to fight here. If you want to have a conversation, have a conversation. But if you don't, you know, I'm just saying. Okay, should we talk about the Jeep or, or the Jeep. these ghost the peppers? Jeep. Talk about the Jeep. Okay. Yeah. Customer service. Um, okay, so we, we as you know, have been building. There's a whole playlist on this channel right now on YouTube. If you're listening on podcast, get to themontyshow.com, M-O-N-T-Y, themontyshow.com. There's a whole playlist of Jeep build videos that we've done. Yeah. We bought a stock Rubicon Wrangler JL, and we've built it. We've lifted it. We've put wheels and tires on it. We've done all kinds of stuff. And one of the problems that you have in Jeep Wranglers inherently, just because of the way they're built, is there's a lot of slop in the steering wheel. So when you turn your steering wheel, you would expect the wheels to turn in kind. 
in in the Jeep Wrangler, you can move your you can move your steering wheel probably a good what two inches, and the car won't turn. It and it's it's significant slop in the steering wheel or understeer. So there is something in that car call in a Jeep Wrangler called a steering box. It is not a rack and pinion. It is a steering box. Jeep has done a sort of recall. What Jeep has done is said, okay, we'll replace that steering box with a steering gear under warranty. So I called the dealer last week. I'm like, hey, man, I'm dying over here. Can't drive the car. Like, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, this is a recall. We're going to take care of it for you. Drop it off Tuesday morning. We'll handle it. Yeah. Dropped it off Monday night. The guy calls me yesterday morning. Hey, uh, is this Tim? Yeah. Hey, Tim, uh, what's the car doing here? And so right off the bat, I'm like, uh-oh. Like, the guy calls me last week, makes an appointment with me. We talked through it. He's like, oh, yeah, that's covered under recall. We're, we've got it for you. Drop the Jeep off at 8 o'clock on Tuesday. I leave it there, and the guy's like, so what are we doing with the Jeep? And right away, I'm like, oh, man. And so I explain it to him, and I'm like, hey, you know, I told you guys this last week when you set the appointment. And I talked to the service manager last week. And, and it, so this should be handled. And the guy's like, well, yeah, I didn't talk to him. And I just want to know the details. So we get this right, right away. Okay, thanks. Yeah, we'll handle it. Don't worry about it. Okay, thanks. I get a call yesterday at 2 o'clock. Here we go. Hey, Tim, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, Joe Blow over at the dealership. This is a code 10 abort. I'm like, and I said to him, okay, cool. Is the Jeep done? Well, not exactly. And you, you were in trouble. And I was like, uh-oh. And he's like, okay, well, it is not a recall. It is a replacement under warranty. You're out of warranty by, he said it was like 800 miles. I'm out of warranty. So it's going to be $800 um, for the part. And it's uh, six hours of labor. And then there's tax and all that stuff. We good to go on that? And I said to him, whoa, 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 man, what happened? You told me this was a recall that was covered. And he goes into this long-winded explanation of, well, it's not a recall. It's a recommended repair that we cover under warranty. And, and so one thing came to another, and he's like, yeah, you don't, you're out of warranty. I'm like, hey, you know, I bought an extended warranty when I bought the Jeep. And, well, you know, you should call them then. I'm like, call them. I bought it from you, man. I said How to him. How dumb do you think I am? I, I bought it from you, man. Idiot. And he's like, well, I don't know anything about that, and I don't see it here, so do you want us yeah, to make... Next question. And he gets down to it. He's like, do you want us to make the repair, or what are we going to do here? And then I said, well, you know, I, I, I need to figure this out. Like, can you put me in touch with the service manager? And he's like, well, we don't see you need to do that. I'm handling your ticket here. And I'm like, all right, well, then I'm not going to have you do the repair. He goes, okay, well, it's going to be three hours of labor uh, to put it all back together. And I said, so you took it apart already, and now you're telling me it's not covered under the recall, and my warranty's expired. And he's like, well, we had to diagnose the issue. And, and he went into this, like, whole legalese thing. He's like, by dropping it off, you know, you did authorize us to, to execute the repair. I'm like, okay, so how much is it going to be? And I think the final bill was like, he was telling me it was like 12-something, $1,200, final bill out the door. And so I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to have to talk to the service manager then. Mom, there's no need. Okay, well, then I'm going to hang up and call back and talk to the general manager. And that's when he stopped. He was like, okay, 
Well, here's what I'm going to do. Let me go do some research and I'll call you back. Dude, see right there. So I want to stop the story right there. Why is it that now you're going to go and do the research? Like what you my biggest problem with this whole situation is this started with this was going to be free. Yes. Then you took the car apart. Now you want to tell me it's not covered, and now it's going to be eight hundred bucks. And then you want to tell me it's twelve hundred bucks. The That's part, my the, problem, dude. And to be clear, he did explain the part itself. It's a gear. It looks like a small transmission. Frankly, is what the thing looks like. The part itself was eight hundred dollars. The the other issue is there's a and this is what drives me crazy about auto repair as well. So there's the physical part. It's a huge piece of metal that's eight hundred dollars. But they don't ship it with the necessary gasket. <laughs> That's in Wyoming. Why is that in Wyoming, dude? If you bought the part, don't you need the gasket? To... So dumb. No. So they couldn't fix the thing yesterday because they were waiting for the gasket to come in from Wyoming. Anyway, so he calls me back. Oh, you know, hey, I talked to the service manager and he was able to locate your extended warranty. It turns out you... You did buy that, and it is covered. That'll be a hundred dollar deductible, and we'll oh, have it ready for you at lunch tomorrow. Oh, okay, right. So and now I, all that time you wasted of mine. And I thought about this very here program, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's Karen Monty, Timmy Mayer, Karen Montaminer." Wow, wow. And so I, I actually took a step back, and I was like, "Okay, that's great. Thanks so much. You'll call me tomorrow when it's done." Yeah, you can count on it by about lunchtime. I'm like, okay. And I got off the phone. Didn't say anything to anybody. Didn't tell my wife. Didn't text Jake. Nothing. The joke. And then like an hour later, oh, my dog's going to throw up. Have him throw up on the floor pad. Oh, I just vacuumed the rugs this morning. Yeah, he hurled. The dog's throwing up in them. Babe, how's it going over there? How's it going over there? Oh, now. Oh, now he's going to throw up a huge. Oh, oh. That's some, there's some stomach bile happening on the Monty show. Oh, so Dude. anyway, I actually thought about the folks on the show and I, oh. I let him go. I let him, I let the guy go. I let him off the hook. And then like an hour later, I texted oh. you, Jake. So, oh, <laughs> Dude. Yeah, and, and now you can smell the bile. He threw up. <laughs> yeah. Have him throw up on the, can you have him throw him on the blanket? That motherfucker don't miss. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Oh, uh, okay. there's nothing worse than oh. dog, dog vomit or baby poop. Oh, those two things dude. are a non-starter. For me. Oh, it's man. Not good. So my biggest gripe with this whole Jeep thing is just that that's that's oh. when you when you ask me, oh, well, why do you avoid? Why do you avoid dealerships? Oh, my God. He that's is. why I avoid dealerships, dude. Ooh, he is ralphing. What is going on with my dog? Good Lord. Buddy needs to eat breakfast. Uh, Richard McDonald says, I did factor service for a long time. I did factory service for a long time. Usually the dealer isn't reimbursed by the manufacturer for warranty work. It's just kind of the deal when you're a factory dealer. But what these sneaky bastards do is try to pass the labor on to you. Seems sketchy. Yes, they do. Yeah. And that, so this is my point. That's why when I buy cars or like when I go from car to. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, boy, he is my. What is. Bro. Anyway, so when you get cars, that's my biggest thing. I try to get into cars that can be worked on by third parties because the dealer tries to do that, and it just is so frustrating to go through that process when it's like, hey, I – and it's almost to a point where I kind of feel like 
you got to walk in there with your paperwork of the warranty in your hand yeah to force it yeah i paid for an extended warranty and they they don't really want to honor that do it try and pass the labor on to you yes they do monty you need to do an entire show in this voice okay okay we'll try that one time <laughs> um jake where's the vacuum drop jeremy bolton wants to know oh man we have dude. your treat <laughs> jeremy says we have your treat ready but the transmission is in texas so. are you out of your goddamn mind yeah hey and i told the guy last week hey we're going to the tetons i need the jeep fixed by thursday that's the other part of this i forgot to tell you he's like yeah we can have it for you thursday or friday dude i'm like nah bro so it's That's fine. That's not what we're about. It's a hundred dollar deductible, and it is what it is. It is what it is, and the Jeep will be fine. Yeah, just so, frustrating. Dude. Yeah, it is. Very it is frustrating. frustrating. No need for it, and yet it still occurs. Yeah, I agree. You know, it is. It is what it is. Jeremy Bolton says, "Don't know. Don't you know who I am? Where's your manager?" Yeah, come on. Monty for sure gets his food spit on at Chipotle when Karen with the Karen attitude. Yeah, I don't actually. But, dude, I don't actually get upset with food service. Yeah, yeah, I know what time it is. I worked in food way too long. And I had too many Karen and Kevin situations where... (laughs) Lady walks in with a manager haircut. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I just don't... So I don't generally get upset with people who have messed up my food. Yeah. I don't. I, I and you've been there when yeah I mean it, the problem is is it's just very frustrating man like whether the dealer thing is one of my biggest pet peeves in this life like like don't tell me I don't have an extended warranty when I bought it I know and, I bought it and every time I go to this dealership for an oil change uh, whether it was the Grand Cherokee I used to have or now this Jeep they're like yeah you didn't buy you didn't hey man I don't see any oil but changes. like this was this was any service dude when we lived here the first time when you were when you were at K fan at the radio station. I would take your Explorer over to that Ford to Henry dealer, Day deal for Henry yeah, Day. Henry Day. And every time I did that, oh well, you don't have you don't have coverage. And it got to a point where where I was like, dude, you need to look on the other screen. It's there. Find it. Yeah. I literally had to say it like that to dude. And then he takes ten minutes. He's like, oh yeah, it was on. Yeah, the other hey screen. man, my bad, my bad, it's bro. Like, dude, like, it, it, why hey, does bro. it have to be so hard? Why is it always? He you told me he said on the phone yesterday. Oh, it was on another screen in a he different did. area. He said, because as he explained to me, like the warranty stuff is on another screen. But my problem with this guy yesterday was I straight up said to him, hey, I bought an extended warranty. And he's yeah. like, well, call them. And I'm like, I didn't buy it from them, dude. I bought it from you. Yeah. And so it it just shouldn't be this difficult. When somebody says, hey, I bought an extended warranty, don't you just flip over to the other system and check and see if I bought and one? verify it. And it's the same thing for oil changes. And that's why at this dealership I bought. And this goes back to the fuel rail. This this guy, when I brought my Jeep into this dealership. And this is the Grand Cherokee, not the Wrangler. Like a year ago to get the Grand Cherokee's 30,000 mile service done. He's like, well, you know, not covered under this service is a, uh, you, you really need to maintenance the fuel rail. And I straight up said to the guy, I don't know what a fuel rail is, but I'm not doing it. Like we paid for Yeah. And it's like, hey, do you, like, tell me, like, do you do you mean my fuel system needs to be flooded? Like, what? I don't even know what the hell a fuel rail is. Yeah. And it, it I, anyway, so it is what it is. And yeah. then let's talk about these, um, let's talk about these Reaper Carolina pepper things. So we always talk about food on this show, mainly because I'm fat. Right. But um, there's a dude who set a Guinness world record. Right. For... Eating what did what did you say these he things ate were? Three Carolina Reaper peppers in eight point seven seconds. 
And nah, bro. the the previous record was 9.72 seconds. No, nah, And I'm just here to tell you, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in eat, having competitions where I got to eat stuff that lights my face on fire. Not interested in that, dude. I'm not. I, I, I is that my biggest thing when I saw the story was like, is this still cool to eat stuff that's like insanely hot? I don't think it is. I, I OK, so I am Caucasian by birth. Um, which means I don't like spicy food. Like I look at a jalapeno and my face gets on fire. Like right. I, I just, no, <coughs> like we had guac from Harmon's the other day. That guac. Was guacamole. We had some guacamole, um, which falls into the Mexican territory <coughs> that had a little spice in it. Mrs. Monte, you're going to be okay over there with the, yeah, can, uh, can we get a quick recap here of what? All right. Uh, like- let's, uh, let's get an update live from live in the uh, field. Right from uh, vomit chopper seven. <laughs> <laughs> the the vomit has been mitigated. The blanket is in the washer oh, and here is Mr. The, Happy Pan. The vomit has been mitigated. Yes. How bad was this, dude? Smell? And now he's got to smell the spot. I, honestly, oh. I didn't. I didn't really smell it. The at weird, all. but I see, just... here's a here's a question, real quick. So this dog just threw up all over the place. If he jumps on your lap and licks your face, are you gonna let oh. him? Yes, you would. My Ooh. wife has no problem. <laughs> Dogs eat the worst stuff, and my wife's like, "Yeah, come kiss my face." Pause, bro. Pause. I love you. I love my dog. You won't even let me lick your face. Do you want to lick my face? just a little weird but me um no i'm not going to comment on that but the point is please don't let the dog lick your face today he threw up all over the place and he looks his... so and he the licks vet his said, ass the vet said He's they still do this whole bile thing up. dude the vet said they do this whole bile thing when they're hungry right well, Django, come here it, it, it can be i a cute little guy i i think but we got to consider that the other day was it monday he did not feel well yeah he what? was he was sick um, did not feel well for like two days, Sunday and Monday. Um, and now he's feeling better. I just feel like maybe it was a little, you know, oh. residual. I guess, man. You okay, I guess. Buddy? Oh, no, licking the face. Did you see how oh, close that was? No, bro. Did you see how close that was? He's such a good boy. And he's I feel bad boy. that I, I do feel bad that it's the worst when your pets are not well. Like he tweaked his back the other day. We have one of those adjustable base beds, and he, I think he jumped off the bed and tweaked his back, and it was not good. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's talk about Carolina Reaper peppers. Yeah, so anyway, I just don't think it's cool to be eating things that flame your face anymore. Like, I feel like that was a fad. But Mrs. Monty's going to be like, oh, I love those hot, spicy pepper tubes. To be fair, though, Taco Bell hot sauce is not that hot. No, it's, it's got not. good flavor to it. Like, no, by I the way, we had— I hot sauce, but I don't like anything that's going to make me want to cry. We had we had Mexican pizzas last week. Mm. <sighs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the hottest thing that you would eat? Would you try a Reaper pepper? Because I got to no. tell you, Red, Red Iguana, my, my uh, yeah. late great friend Will Smith, um, back in the uh, 1320K fan, days uh will smith and ben wilson and i i i took them to lunch at red iguana they took me there for the first time i paid right um but ben wilson loves to eat that stuff and he used to love to make will smith eat those hot peppers because will was much like me very caucasian could not handle heat at all and will just almost died and ben wilson almost died too at the table by the way at red iguana I did not partake. Yeah. And I, I will not partake. Yeah, Tacos Don Ramon is hot enough for me. I'm good, man. Ooh, tacos Don Ramon. 
Um, by the way, spicy, but I don't like any. I'm not going to do ghost pepper. No, I don't want to do anything that's going to take away the joy of tasting the food I'm eating. Hey, but but by the by the way, by the way, what? Um, yeah, James Knight says not to mention your dog licks his ass all the time. That's a very good point. Not That's so much anymore. <laughs> the Rhino Report is Rhino is this actually is quite well. This is a tasty well. burger. His Rhino ass is, is not a tasty is burger. is like almost 100% better. 100%. Yeah, he's yeah. not licking his butt very much at all anymore. Yeah. Um, by the way, the big story here is we're going to the Tetons to go camping. Yeah. Um, what are we going to make for food? Because there's the menu has been quite decided now. Yeah. None. Of, I was not consulted on this at all. Nobody oh, asks my opinion ever. Whatever. <laughs> um, so much so that with Jeep guy. So much so that uh, the girl that Jake currently is conferring with sexually um, was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Come on, that was amazing." Um, she was like texting into the. We have a group chat when we go on these trips. Yeah. And she's like, "Hey, um, can you guys tell me what route we're taking?" Well, she wants to know when we're gonna pick her up. Which is, I'm not picking her. Are, she, are we all driving no, together? No, we're not. We're oh, like, okay. Well, we're, I, I'm just we're asking. We're driving together in two separate cars and stuff. I'm just asking. Like, it's a just caravan. Like yeah, like, Jesus. We're going to hitch the horses to the wagon yeah. and you know? you make our way. You hillbillies. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so, food-wise. Uh, Fat Jesus says, going to the Tetons is a porn title. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> Food wise, yeah. What are we doing? In, when are we doing? Because we're st- we're camping. We're like legit camping, in that we're staying in a soft sided cabin. Yes, not a tent. Uh, uh, but it's, it's a tent cabin. There will be air mattresses and sleeping bags had. Yes. How do we um, feel about this whole setup? Because it's going to be chilly at night. So do I can't. There's a there's a potbelly stove. Yeah, in, I know. So we're gonna thing. we're gonna burn in the stove. Yeah, and it's gonna heat the room. And we're yeah. gonna burn yeah. wood in the stove. Yeah. We're yeah. Yeah, so we should be we should be plenty warm. It's the two of the sides, the sides where the bunks normally are. If we sleep on the bunks, are wood, uh, and then the other two sides are are the canvas. Um, but it has a heater, so I think we're gonna be just fine. Food, we are doing our homemade crunch wraps, just like as if you were at crunch Taco wraps Bell. Creams. Those are bomb. Crunch wraps, creams. We are hooking that up. Um, we're doing fajitas one night, Fajitas, and we're doing baby. A, a burger night. I'm yes. excited for the burger night. I yes. think that's going to be good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why play that sound <laughs> effect, man? Um, but I'm excited for this trip. I really am. It's a. It's an easy drive. It's four to five hours. Um, you know, I'm. I'm excited to get the new Jeep running up there with the steering gear installed. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Like, this is probably the last trip where this Jeep is going to look the way it looks now. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Like, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of but stuff. But this trip is going to be much more hiking and, and stuff like that. I mean, there's only one, one Jeep-ish <laughs> trail. Fat Jesus says, the best way to camp is in the metaverse while sitting in the comfort of your home. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, crunch wraps are the stoner heaven, Eric C. Dude, says. they're so good, man. Yeah, they are. Ken Williams says, sounds yummy. Uh, Tanner says, I love crunch wraps. Yeah. Del Hargis says, best drop ever. This is a tasty burger. It is. It's it a is. great drop, dude. It is a great drop. It no is, doubt about man. it. Um, Jake's tent's going to be rocking, James Knight says. Um, we're all going to be in the same tent. Yeah, that's the other thing. no rocking. Miss, Mrs. Monty no. cockblocked us because we're all going to be in the same tent. Hey, I booked a tent cabin. Catch me outside. How about that? Yeah, catch people. me outside. We'll be outside, man. You're going to get a tick on your dick. Oh, a wow. Tick on Are you your kidding dick. me? Did you just say that? I started having second thoughts. <laughs> what? 
Wow. This is why I'm here. What are the what are the toilet facilities on this trip? There's actual there's an actual restroom not very far from our tin cabin. Okay. So. Yeah, but how far is far? Because in the morning when you got to pee, is that are we talking like a quarter mile? No, or? it's no, it's like yards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. All right, we gotta go. Ken Williams says, "LOL, a tick on your dick." Exactly right. James Knight says, "Mrs. Monty's out of control today." Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Johnson says, "The girlfriend too at the same in the same tent." Hell yeah. <laughs> The tick on your dick comment is getting a lot of comments. <laughs> but we do have to this go. Is the risk um, if you pull it out in nature, man. If you if pull, you it, pull out. it out in nature. That might be a drop. We might have to get that drop. Wow. Make sure you hit like and subscribe <laughs> on this show. Shop our affiliate links in the podcast and YouTube description below. By the way, uh, we will be back Monday morning, bright and early at 6 a.m. On Monday morning will be our first show back. We're off tomorrow and Friday. Appreciate you guys very much. Thank you so much for being here. Until tomorrow, say tick on your dick, Mrs. Monty. Tick on your dick.